0: I'm Rory O'Neill, and for more than 20 years, I've been a radio reporter in Florida, covering rocket launches, Florida man, and yes, hurricanes, lots and lots of hurricanes. So here's what we know about Hurricane Dorian right now. It did wipe out the northern Bahamas, it brushed the eastern coast of Florida, and it's hitting the Carolinas as a Category 1 storm and is pulling off the coast. Soon it will be Canada's problem, but Nova Scotia in particular, and by then it should be an extra tropical storm And not cause too much damage. So now attention turns to the Bahamas, which is still in search and rescue mode, not recovery mode just yet. The U.S. Coast Guard among the first agencies to respond.
1: Yesterday there was little pockets, I would say, of devastation. You had some places that looked like they had seen small parts of the storm and other places where you had homes that were completely leveled and still flooded as of yesterday. Today we were tasked with trying to find smaller islands that were kind of out of touch. We got some coordinates from another helicopter. We came across the island and there were about 150 people on the island. Uh, It was completely devastated. All the homes were completely flattened, vegetation gone. And when we got there, there were there had already been about 10 to 15 people medevaced. And when we got there, there were 10 people roughly with varying injuries, um, some possible fractures, some people said that their homes had fallen on them. Um, so our main priority was getting the most injured out.
0: And that's the problem when places are really just decimated. You're working from the ground up. In one case, you know, they're trying to make rescues, but they can't even see. They're limited to daytime operations because there's no electricity. And when there's no electricity, there's no light. The head of public works in the Bahamas was on ABC's Good Morning America. Thank God for life. but It's dark. The
2: communication is down. Um, We do not know what's going on right now.
0: There's a Florida lawmaker named Chevron Jones. He's Bahamian. And he was able to contact a cousin who was actually part of the search and rescue effort. He actually posted the phone call. He recorded it and put it on Twitter. A search and rescue is still going on. We're trying to still trying to account for for folks, for families. Um, we're just the, the airplanes that are going in are carrying, you know, food and water and, and emergency supplies, you know, to keep the, you know to keep them going, you know, while we get all of the people that really really need to get out of there out. So there's a lot of injured people. Um, we're just trying to, you know, we're doing rotations right now, getting them out. And, I, and I, you're exactly right. I think next week uh, will be a better time. You know, at least the emergency efforts should have died down. But right now, some of the first people going in are members of an urban search and rescue team that's based out of the city of Miami. The city dipping into its own resources. They'll p- pick up the tab for this project. They said, you know, the Bahamas is so close. They're, they're neighbors and they couldn't really resist helping. When we see suffering, we've experienced it firsthand, and that, in essence, is frustrating for us. But we also recognize that the response is important, and we have to do whatever we can in order to support, especially a community that's so close to us. Now, in Broward County, that's where Fort Lauderdale is and other big cities like Parkland. They're going to take in a lot of these Bahamian people who now have nowhere else to go. And so you're bringing in adults trying to find... Uh, Them housing and even jobs perhaps. They're actually foreign citizens, so there's a whole set of issues there. Now, the school superintendent in Broward County, Robert Runcie, says they're actually getting ready to take in some of the kids who are going to need to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. I think we have a moral responsibility um, at this moment, given the fact that we have been spared the worst of the hurricane, to help our families, our friends, Uh, that are in the bahamas but all that's part of the long-term recovery at the moment it's still search and rescue mode now there are supplies being brought to the islands by cruise ships they're discouraging private boat owners from making the trip because well really they could just get in the way the storm has kicked up so much debris caused so much new debris it actually shifts the sands and they have to make sure port markers are accurate and The port markers and buoys that didn't get blown away have to be reset. So the Coast Guard wants private boaters to stay out of the way uh, unless they've gotten specific permission to go inside. So the recovery effort is just beginning. Lots and lots of money is going to be needed. So how'd we get here? Is this Hurricane Dorian all part of global warming, or is it just a fluke? Well, it's the second year in a row we've had a landfall by a Category 5 hurricane. That's pretty rare it's also the most powerful Cat 5 storm ever recorded in that part of the Atlantic. So it is a history-making storm. Phil Klotzbach used to work with the late Dr. William Gray at Colorado State University. They're actually hurricane experts. Yes, based in Colorado, but they're hurricane experts. And Phil and Phil is part of the team that releases one of those annual hurricane predictions, like is it going to be bu- busy this year, is it an active season, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there are more of these forecasts coming out every year, but Dr. Gray started it back in the 1980s. Phil says these forecasts are important and they can help communities like the Bahamas know if it's going to be extra busy.
2: You know, the thing we always say with all the seasonal forecasts is it's, you know, our best estimate at any particular time of how active the season is going to be, but we can't say where the storms are going to go. And so, obviously, you just need to be prepared the same for every hurricane season. You know, hopefully it won't be as bad as last year's was, but, you know, even if we only get one significant hurricane all year, you know, if that, that significant hurricane hits you, it's an active season for you.
0: I usually interview Phil once or twice a season, and it's funny that he can recall numbers and dates and years and which storm and which letter and I can't remember lunch yesterday.
2: You know, it, it's funny. So Dr. Gray, like, when we when we first met, we were just talking about baseball statistics. And I remember he used to rattle off the the, the the stats of all the hurricane seasons. And I was like, how does he know this stuff? But then once you wheel with it every day, you know, it just kind of becomes like, it's like baseball stats. It's like, okay. you know, Ted Williams in 406 in 1941. You
0: know? So we don't know how bad it really is in the Bahamas yet. Yeah, there's been some helicopter footage that shows communities wiped out. And that death toll is continuing to climb. But... The cost of rebuilding is really unknown as the environmental impact is still being measured. We've seen video of oil tanks and chemical tanks just spilled open, so we don't know the damage that's being done on the water, in the water, under the water, let alone the foliage that just looks like it's been ripped away and will have to be replanted. So the cost of rebuilding all this is one thing. And then what do you rebuild? Do you make it like it was before? It didn't look very hurricane-proof then. And do we get more of these Cat 5 storms And how should we make these things be sturdier for the future? And that's called mitigation.
2: That's an important point that we try to emphasize is, you know, mitigation and trying to take proactive measures. Um, Because since 1900, we've seen huge increases in damage. Um, And yet
0: we've seen no increase in landfalls. And that's just because we have more people and more stuff, which... Because what happened in the Bahamas really could have happened to Florida. The initial forecast, yes, that one the president drew the sharpie around, allegedly. Uh, That initial forecast did have Dorian coming right through Florida like a steam engine, right through the heart of Orlando over Labor Day weekend. Imagine that, all the tourists and a Cat 5 storm storming and rolling overhead for days because it was a slow mover. Well, luckily that didn't happen, but the problem of mitigation is a big one. Those expensive high-rises, everybody wants to live on the coast, but no one wants to pay for it, especially insurance companies that seem to pay for it over and over and over again, and that bill somehow gets shifted down to the taxpayers through FEMA, which has to pay for it over and over and over again. So the relief efforts are underway in the Bahamas. It's going to take a long time. It looks like Florida missed the worst of it. It will cost tens of millions of dollars to clean up all the damage along the whole Florida coastline. And we're still not sure what the storm reports will be from the Carolinas, but they'll need to be cleaned up, too. And we're all going to pitch in through tax dollars and through insurance premiums. But that's the way the system works because we'll also pay for it through our generous contributions, charities, churches, and the human spirit. I'm Rory O'Neill.